The Kentucky Headhunters are Greg Martin on lead guitar, Doug Phelps on bass guitar, Fred Young on drums, and Richard Young on rhythm guitar. And they all share vocals, and a couple of them take lead vocals, switching around. They began in 1968 as Itchy Brother, and after the band changes and endless touring, in 1985 they became the Kentucky Headhunters. Greg Martin joins us tonight from the Kentucky Headhunters to talk about their brand new album, That's a Fact, Jack, guitars, radio shows, and songwriting. Overall, the Kentucky Headhunters have released eight studio albums, three compilations, 23 singles, and they have toured the world countless times and still perform relentlessly to their rabid fan base. Welcome to Behind the Drive Shortcuts. My name is Douglas McLean. And uh, so, uh, yeah, hopefully we can cover a few things here and just uh, get to know you guys a bit more. Sure, man. Yeah, so the first thing, uh, it's been a, it's a, it's it's quite a remarkable album in a way because uh, it has quite a few different kinds of colors and flavors in it. And I was wondering if maybe you'd want to start by just telling us a little bit about how you guys put the project together and was it hard to write because it, it's such a after you get used to it it's it's quite a unique set of songs uh so is there anything you can share with us about that well it's uh definitely a crawling out of the wreckage of 2020 album as you know right and uh 2019 was uh you know, a year that we did our normal touring and, you know, everything was fairly normal as we knew it. Uh, we ended up the year in 2019, we ended up touring in England uh, through the UK with um, Dan Baird's Homemade Sin and Jason and the Scorchers. Then we came back and finished up the dates in the States and took a little break for Christmas and, um, you know, the holidays and, you um, I ended up catching something around right after Thanksgiving of 2019, which was really bad. I'm not sure it could have been COVID. Yeah. I just don't know. One really knows at that right, point, right. you know. Yeah. But got through it. Got through it by Christmas after Christmas, and I had it for about about three or four weeks, and got through it. And um, we went into 2020 with the understanding it was going to be a really good year, and did about. I don't know. I think we did about five dates and our last date in mid February that we did was at the Birchmere in Alexandria, Virginia with the understanding, uh, you know, we had three weeks off and that we would reconvene in March and go back out on tour and the normal touring would happen. And it would be a, you know, just a normal year as we know it. You know, we've been on the road forever. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> and by the grace of God, everything just kind of works the way it does. We we tour every year. Yeah. And we all do an album every four or five years, you know. Right. And, you know, the plan was, um, you know, we would do this, uh, the touring, and then we would get together sometime in the fall and compare notes and see what songs we had because we knew it was going to be time to do a new album. Right. And, um, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, when, when COVID hit, things just came to a standstill. When we were on that little, right after Alexandria, Virginia, we went home. And the next thing you know, about a week or two into our little break, 
dates started falling, dates started going away, right. moving forward to the next year or the um, things started locking down. And of course, uh, we, I think we ended up maybe doing four or five more shows that year. Uh, there were distancing shows, except for a couple. A couple people just threw caution to the wind and went for it. You right, know? yeah. We were being careful. We were yeah. being careful. And then at the end of the, you know, there again, we knew uh, a new album had to be, I mean, yeah, we had to do one. There was okay. no label breathing down our back, but it's just, you know, we're musicians. Yeah. That's what we do. We tour. We have to have an album every so often. Right. Uh, we we don't just live off of picking on Nashville. We try. We we've been moving forward or mm. trying to, you know. Yeah. yeah. And um, so, <laughs> at the end of uh, around November 2020, about the time we would start getting together in November, I ended up getting COVID, diagnosed with it again, or or at least I knew I had it this, this time. time. Yeah. And which wasn't a bad case, but I had to uh, quarantine for a couple of weeks. And by the time I got through that, it was Thanksgiving. And then Christmas was coming on. It was getting cold, so we couldn't get together at the practice house. You know, and so we said, well, we'll reconvene. We'll just get together in the studio in January of 2021. Right. And we'll just... Uh, we were sending little, you know, ideas back and forth a little bit, and we just we just do it on the floor, which is really kind of let it be. By the Beatles was kind of the same way. Same way. You know, yeah. they, it came together in the studio. Yeah. Um, but you know, we we finally got together in February of last year, and you know, we we had a few songs that we you know that people had written, and we would just listen to a, a cassette or whatever we had and we would do a archaic chart we're not we don't read music none of us read music but we can we can make a little chart out a little number chart yeah and then we would do head arrangements and we would just do the song and right. go for it right. until we got the take and usually usually we get the take pretty fast because if you if you go past three runs through it you start losing the energy yeah but we got it. You know, the first day was pretty futile. We didn't really get much done. We were mush brain. We hadn't played much. We were not on the road. Our traveling chops were down. Our playing chops were down. Uh, my calluses were a little soft from having COVID, to be honest with you. Really? And um, well. But, yeah, a little bit. I'll tell you, after all those years, yeah. I wasn't extremely sick, but, but I just didn't have no desire to play. Yeah. So I slept a lot. Yeah. And uh, my my calluses got soft. Yeah. But we got in the studio and you know, songs started coming out. We started recording songs, and before you know it, you know, we had an album wow. tracked. You know, we started doing our overdubs, you know, the sweetening process of you know, uh, doubling things, and then sure. before we go into the uh, the mixing process. Yeah. So. Um, it's a very unique album uh, in the fact that everybody sings on it, which that's never happened before. Yeah. Uh, back in the old days, back in, you know, the Picking on Nashville era, we had uh, one singer, and that's pretty much it, you know. Right. And over the years, Richard has stepped out and started singing a bit on albums. You know, he sings more of the, the blues rock type things. And 
and Doug does his melodic country rock type thing. But on this album, Fred came to the table and sang two tracks. He sang a Cheap Tequila song written by Rick Derringer, right. which was on Rick Derringer's album, All American Boy, back in 1973. Right. And actually, Johnny Winter had cut it on uh, Still Alive and Well, too, right? Uh, yeah. which was produced by Rick. And then uh, Fred brought another song to the table, Cup of Tea, which was about our visit to England. Yeah. Or one of you know we we've traveled over there three times, and uh, and I originally was going to sing cheap tequila. Went through it one time and said, "No, I'm not really feeling this." Right. And Fred had been bringing it up for years. I said, "Fred, there's a connection with you and this song, and you love it. You should do it." Right. And he did it. Yeah. Uh, and I suggested that we go back and revisit. The song we wrote back in 1973, Richard, Fred, our cousin Anthony and me called Shotgun Effie. And uh, we had a band, Itchy Brother, which was our rock band back in the day. Right. We, yeah. had, we had recorded a little 45 back in 73 and it was released in 74. And uh, we had done a very early version of that song. And my idea was, well, well let's, uh, let's redo it. Let's tear it apart. Let's rewrite it. But as soon as Fred counted off, it went back to 1973, <laughs> and it, it yeah. came out. Yeah. You know, musically, it came out way better. My range, because yeah. I sang it originally, my yeah. range was not as high. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. being yeah. being my age. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that was how that song, you know, happened yeah. to be on the album. Right. We just brought it brought it forward. Right. You know, but you know. It was just, I don't think there was no divine plan on the album. It just came together the way it did. Yeah. And uh, it's very organic. It's very band-oriented. Band it represents the band as it is today. Yeah. You know. Well, it, it catches you after a while. You get, It takes a little bit. It took me a little bit to kind of uh, settle into it, but now I'm starting to really and. Uh, so now on the album, did you uh, do you use the same guitars for each song, or do you move around? How do you kind of pick your guitar sound for each of these? Uh, I, I I know that you're kind of a, a Les Paul player or have been, uh, but yeah. there's some real interesting uh, tones on some of these songs. Like one of them, uh, uh, which one? Oh gosh, it just went out of my head. I think it's. Um, uh, no, we belong together, but uh, lo lonely too long is that's all right. That's got a really sweet uh, sound to it. You know, some of the other songs are more uh, overdriven and things like that. Uh, so, do you do you have to think about that before you do? Do you start recording, or do you just sort of uh, play around with it till you get the sound you like, or is it the combination of amp and guitar? Or how do you get to that point? Um. Well, most generally, it's intuitive. You just kind of know what's going to work with each song. You know where the song's leaning. Whether it's a melodic type song, is it a rocker? Okay. Is it a country song? Which the very last song was staunch country, as country yeah. as we can get. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, Lo "Lonely Too Long," which was a song written uh, brought to the band by Doug Phelps, and we, as we do. Somebody will bring a song to the band. We'll tear it apart and make it a hit on her song. Um, I played my 1958 Les Paul okay. on that track. 
and I was uh, plugged straight into uh, two 1950s deluxe tweed deluxe amps which oh, okay, are yeah. really kind of sweet sounding amps right. um, and they sound great for rock right but they're really great blues amps and if you really want to get that nice melodic singing tone they're really good for that as well yeah. and um i mean larry carlton always used the deluxe on kid charlemagne right. that was his secret weapon for years right um but most like to say most songs are just intuitive um i mean i'll run down some of the things i've how I can how I remember uh, like going to be all right which starts off the album uh, I played the 58 Les Paul into right. the two tweed deluxe amps right. Richard probably played uh, his Telecaster on that I can't remember exactly he deviated between the Telecaster and I've got a, a 1964 ES335 a red guitar yeah. that belonged yeah. to Travis Womack wow who was a studio player at Muscle Shows. So this right. guitar has been on a lot of hit records out of Muscle Shows. Yeah. He played that guitar some. And uh, Richard also brought out his uh, Gretsch White Falcon on Cup of Tea. Wow. But uh, let's see. Going to be all right. That was the, that was the Les Paul. Uh, How Could I? Which was uh, written by Blackstone Cherry and Richard and brought to the band as a demo on a cassette. Uh, completely different than what when we tore it apart and redone it, it turned into a song like the Rolling Stones. Yeah, go on a blind date with the Georgia, yeah. <laughs> Georgia uh, satellites yeah. uh, and a little JoJo gun thrown in, you know, yeah, yeah. as chaperones. <laughs> yeah, and I played uh, on the rhythm. I played the the 1958 Les Paul. Then I went back with a this Ventura Dan Armstrong copy in open A. And played the slide solo, right? And there again, that's um, that I used the two deluxe, the, the tweed deluxes on that. Uh, watercolors in the rain, I used the Les Paul into a 1969 Marshall wow. 100 water, yeah. and a 67 cabinet. Uh, Susanna was a whole different thing. Uh, I played a 1957 Strat, uh, plugged into. The, the, the Tweed Deluxe Amps, because that, that song is uh, very, very, uh, I mean, it's a slow song, yeah. and it's a very thoughtful song, and yeah. uh, we, you know, there's not much musically needs to be said to get in the way of the lyrics, so uh, it, it just, it, I like the way it starts out, you know, it fades in right. uh, with that little descending D yeah. pattern that a lot of folks have used over the years, but uh yeah, I used a Strat. I used an old 60, uh, 57 Strat on that. Yeah. Uh, let me think a minute here. I've got I've got a lot of this written down. Okay. <laughs> Cup of Tea, I played, yeah. Cup okay. of Tea was the 58 Les Paul, and yeah. I played a uh, a couple acoustic guitars and um, also a tenor guitar, a Breedlove uh, guitar, which gave it that high, high shimmer. And Richard uh, did the little hook the guitar hook with his Gretsch guitar right. uh, with his white falcon and his part goes together with the bells on the song you know gives it that English flair right yeah. I, I like to say it's our little mini Phil Spector production right. <laughs> you know yeah uh, we belong together which is a melodic song I used the 58 Les Paul in the deluxe amps uh, that's a fact jack 
That's the 58 Les Paul into the 1969 Marshall. When things really need to get in your face yeah. and nasty, then the Marshall comes into play. Yeah. You know? And, and uh, do you mind about. me asking what kind of mic position you use for to get that? Like, because it must just blow the room down. Do, do you, uh, like, where do you have your mics? Like, right on the speaker or center speaker? Or do you have them in the room or something? Well, I always have. My amps are always at, in another room. Which oh, okay, okay. That's good and bad. Yeah, they're good and bad. I mean, you know, there's there's different thoughts on that how yeah. to do that. Some some producers don't mind the bleed; they yeah. want to get the group performance. But we were going for isolation. Sure. Yeah. So my uh, my amps were in a, a, a room, adjoining room to the studio, so I had like this little place where I had the. Uh, 69 Marshall in the cabinet and I had a um, I had the two tweed amps and I had like a three-way switching system okay you know yeah. and I would just uh, if, I, if I wanted to go for a you know that you know it depends on the sound I was wanting to go for uh, as far as the miking uh usually we went for a we go for a, a Sennheiser 414 okay on the speaker right but we but the important factor is usually ambient miking in my mind because uh that gives the fullness and that gives the air right. and so we we had a couple of good ambient mics out in the room as well right you know because yeah. just 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 uh using uh the mic on the speaker you don't really get the full story so to speak right well that's a great song actually if you don't mind it we can just stay there for a minute because i really like that it uh it, it well there's a few uh, songs that really caught my attention but that one i just thought oh man yeah that's a live song if ever there was one <laughs> you know that's something you could really take a are, 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 that, that's a fact jack yeah did Is you that yeah, yeah that's, that's a, a fact, fact jack, jack. Yeah, yeah that's uh richard Rich, yeah richard brought that richard brought that and that uh of course i love that little that little riff, you know, ba 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 ba. Yeah, yeah. You can just know something, something's going to happen, yeah. and it, it it really goes hand in hand with the lyrical content, right. what he's trying to say, you know. Yeah. And uh, then we came up with that little hook, da 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 da. da you know. Yeah. Um, which I like to say, Richard songs are many sermonettes without beating you over the head too bad, you know. But. Uh, <laughs> He just tells the truth, what he's thinking at the time, and yeah. uh, you know the world is crazy. <laughs> no <laughs> doubt, know. no doubt. Yeah. You know, uh, I thought I thought last year things were getting better, but it's yeah. still crazy now. You yeah. know, but uh, I think the music paints a great picture for the lyrics that he yeah. wrote. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah pretty in, in your face, and uh, God, yeah, there's a lot of energy on that tune right there. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it uh, it feels pretty vital, and uh, the uh, the message gets through pretty clearly. Yes, you are listening to Behind the Drive Shortcuts. My name is Douglas McLean, and our guest is Greg Martin of the Kentucky Headhunters. In conversation about their brand new album, that's a fact, Jack. Please enjoy the conversation. So just keep going with your guitar story. Sorry, Lonely Too Long, you used the, that was, which one did you, oh, yeah. which guitar did you use on that? That was the 1958 Les Paul right. Standard. And, right. and uh, 
that was into the Tweed Deluxe amps. Uh, right. I think I think they're they're from like '58 or '59, and I, yeah. I just chained those two together. Uh, the '58 Les Paul, I've had that forever. It was a it was really a gift from Hank Williams Jr. Really, and, and matter of fact, it's right here next to me. Yeah, yeah, it's next to me right now. Yeah. Uh, um, and it's just a great recording guitar. It, it went on the road for a few years, but it, only time I use it, it's relegated now to maybe a special gig here and there or a studio. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm just afraid to take it anywhere. It's a very rare guitars, you know, they, yeah. they only made very few humbucker guitars between 57 and 60, uh, in the Les Paul, uh, the single cuts. But uh, yeah, Lonely Too Long is that. Um, Heart and Soul, which is a whole different animal. Yeah. That's the 58 Les Paul. And believe it or not, I use the Marshall on that. And that's more of a rockabilly right. vibe. Yeah. Um, we ended up taking a uh, Space Echo, plugging the guitar into the Space Echo, and then going into the amp to give that slap back, to give that Scotty Moore yeah. Sun studio type sound. And. Um, it was a Space Echo RE150, I think. I'm not positive. Y'all might want to check me on that. Okay. And uh, I just kind of, you know, just backed the volume down and cleaned it up and went for more of a rockabilly. Well, that's that's a song we had written back in the 90s okay. when Anthony Kenny was in the band. Anthony, Doug, Fred, Richard, and I put that together at the practice house. But when we went back and listened to the uh, cassette, we, did, we weren't real happy with what we'd come up with then it didn't really represent our band so we just found this rockabilly train type groove and and we went for it and yeah. i think it worked really good it for that does. it's a, you know that's another great song off the the album yeah and, and uh, cheap tequila i think thank you, you. uh of course cheap to oh go ahead oh it said cheap tequila i think you already chatted about but yeah what guitar did you use on that yeah, well, on Cheap Tequila, I used the 57 Strat. That's right. a little, that is a little different, but I went into the Marshall, and there was a Wawa. Right. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. a Wawa solo, yeah, yeah, yeah. which I used a Tease, I used a uh, Jeffrey Tease Wawa on yeah. that. And uh, there again, when that song, yeah, it, it was brought to the band by Fred, but we decided we, we wanted to do it different than Johnny or Rick had done it. Right. And and I think Billy Strings has even done a bluegrass version of right. it, but we we just kind of took it more into the, uh, I think more in kind of the Hendrix direction a little right. bit, just yeah. a little bit. Yeah, uh, you know, and uh, the Strat worked really good for that. Right. Um, then Shotgun Effie, going back to that song, you know the way we did it back in the day. I played Les Paul and Richard played a. Yes, three thirty-five, I think. But on, on this, I I did the rhythm track with a Gretsch Silverjet, and I'm pretty sure Richard played. Pretty sure he played his Telecaster on that. Pretty sure. And um, I went back and did the slide, which is an open E, yeah, with the old Ventura guitar, right? And that's that's the Marshall on that. Yeah, that's the Mar 1969 Super Lead. 100 head into a 1967 Marshall bottom. And uh, that head is the first 
Marshall had to be imported into Kentucky. It belonged to a group called Elysian Field out of Louisville. Wow. And uh, <laughs> long story how I got it, but it's 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 just a great head, and yeah. uh, it just stays stored until it's time to do sessions. I don't take it on the road, right. you know, just yeah. don't take it on the road at all. Yeah. Then the album ends with "Let's All Get Together and Fight," which yeah. is uh, oh, just a very incredible song, <laughs> very <laughs> unique. Yeah, <laughs> that's a very. Very unique song, as you know. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> you know, here in Kentucky, it don't have to be the holidays to get together and fight. I mean, yeah, I grew up in a family that we. I lived in Louisville, and and in '66, my dad decided to move us back to Midcap County, which was great because I I would have never met Richard and Fred if that hadn't happened. Yeah. But every Sunday, my dad would drop my mother off at my my aunt Bertha lived in Edmonton. There was this old wood stove, no hot point stove. So dad would drop mom off at Bertha's. Uncle James would drop Aunt Ruby off, which was mom's twin sister. And then Uncle Stanley would drop Aunt Helen off at Bertha's. They would sit on at that stove and they would get arguing politics or whatever right. it didn't matter right somebody would have a different opinion about something yeah. and then my uncle carl came home one time and they got arguing politics and he got so mad he didn't show up for a year <laughs> <laughs> he never came back yeah that's what but, usually happens yeah. but yeah the song's not about that but i'm just saying you know richard was talking about getting together at christmas and yeah. or whatever right. you don't have to have a holiday to get together and fight in kentucky yeah. you know yeah, yeah. and and that's it i can identify with it because i remember my aunts up there fighting over politics you know right. and stuff like Jeez. that but well, uh that's... it's like ernest tubb and the texas uh troubadours you know the, mm. the music you know we we richard had this melody in his lyrics and i sat down in the studio with him and we came up with the chords then i came up with the intro and you know we we, we laid down the uh, track first with the acoustic guitar bass and drums then we added another acoustic and i went back and put the uh, electric guitar with a i ended up using a uh, 1962 es335 on that right that one right there Jeez. yeah nice so it's about just four electrics i actually used yeah. on the album yeah. the 62 es335 uh, the Ventura for Slide, right. the 58 Les Paul, the 1957 Strat, and uh, I used the uh, Gretsch Silverjet yeah. you know, now, for rhythm. And um, go ahead. Yes. How, how do you find switching between the uh, Gibsons and the, the Fender? I mean, do you find your hand, do you have to change your hand position at all or anything? Do you, or have you got them all set up so that you can just, they're just, feel the same on each because there's quite different the les paul is quite a different guitar than a strat right so um yeah yeah, yeah. you're yeah. well you're you're correct the yeah. scale's different yeah um you know man the guitars i use they're uh, the ones i've got left now that i use in the studio the my, my hands just know they're there, it's intuitive i just yeah. go yeah but if I pick up the Strat, I've had that Strat since 1990, 91. Yeah. And I, it just fits in my hand, just like the 58 does. Yeah. And the guitars that I, I have, they, they, they're just, uh, 
they're like putting on a pair of jeans, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. They yeah. just feel right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't I, have to. Yeah, I just don't have to think about that. Now, yeah. sometimes, sometimes I do. I mean, if I if it's an unfamiliar guitar, right, uh, and the action's different, but most of these guitars that I use, um, they've been just honed into what they need to be for me, right, pretty much. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. it's been sort of fun. Now, how do you? Um, now, when when you guys were separated through the lockdown, I mean, you guys are known for being such a, an incredible live band. It must have been very hard to be apart from each other, or did you just sort of uh, get together somehow, or did you play by Zoom no, or anything? Didn't. Only, only per, yeah, we did. Uh, yeah. You know, when it, when the when the lockdown happened, um, unless we had a gig from February to June of 2020, we didn't hit a lick. Yeah, and the only one I saw. And it would usually be at the post office was Richard. Right. Uh, I didn't see Fred, you know, for those, those first three or four months, it was just strange. As you, if you go back to that, <laughs> the initial thrust of the pandemic, it was uh, strange times. Yeah. And um, we had this one gig come up in Beaver Dam, Kentucky, which was a drive-in gig. And I remember well, we, you know, we hadn't played together since the mid-February gig and at the Birch Bear, and I was I was nervous because I'm like, man, because here we are, you know, we're on these big screens and people are in cars, and yeah, it was just strange. Yeah. It was just strange, and it wasn't. It was a good gig, but I, I, I me personally, I don't, I don't think I played that well. Right. Uh, from being nervous, man, I have to be comfortable to do anything right, sure. you know. And uh, then we ended up playing a couple of gigs up north. Um, and, one, and, and both of those up north, uh, one was in, let me think about this, one was in Wisconsin and one was in Minnesota. Jeez. They just threw caution to the wind. Right. Man, they were just out amongst each other. Yeah. They didn't care. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't care. Yeah. And then we played another social distancing gig here in, in Glasgow in the fall of 2020, another one of the car deals. And then we ended up playing Poppy Mountain Bluegrass Festival. And there again, I don't think people really caring whether they were yeah. social distancing or not. Then we played another gig in Eastern Kentucky. Uh, the last gig of the year was over in Knoxville, Tennessee in November. And of course I'd caught or been diagnosed with COVID. So I couldn't go out and do the gig. So we ended up getting Chris Robertson from Blackstone charity to go out right. and do that last gig. And uh, so, so I don't know. Maybe, maybe we end up doing, I bet we ended up doing people keep saying nine gigs. I bet we ended up doing about 11 gigs right, that year, yeah. you know, yeah, but, like, uh, but yeah, it was rough, man. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. Cause we're used to, man, we've, we've had our little ritual for years. You know, right. we play all year, take off around November, December, things slow or slow till March. And, you know, we're back out doing it like we are now. We yeah. just uh, came off of a three day run this past weekend. You know, we've, we played uh, northern Indiana, North Carolina, and Tennessee. Then we're going to Alabama this weekend. So, Jeez. you know. How do you go? Like, we're what? just creatures of habit, man. <laughs> we, 
Well, I mean, that's your life. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, when you guys go out on runs, like how long How long are you on the road for? Are you gone like for real long runs now or do you do shorter runs like, you know, three weeks out or something like that? Or do you go for months at end? Uh, I mean, in the well, old days, remember guys would never, go. Out. No, we're never. Yeah, we used to, you know, like if you have to, uh, if you go to Canada. Yeah. Or if you're doing a run through Canada, yeah, which we haven't we haven't done that in three years, which I look forward to getting back up there because we love playing Canada. Yeah. Um, or if we go out west, yeah, then then we're out a little longer. But most generally, in the summer it gets a little crazier. But usually we're we're like weekend warriors. I mean, oh, okay, a normal weekend for us, you know, we'll we'll leave on Thursday night come home sunday or monday okay and that'll vary because i mean we may end up having a gig on a tuesday night or you know during the summer it could be any time because of fairs and festivals and things like that but now we're not we're not out like like rock bands where they're gone a month two months right. and obviously when we went to england we would be gone for two weeks sure, or yeah, something like yeah, that yeah. but we like we like being home now yeah. i love being home but yeah. i love playing yeah. music too yeah so it's a give and take thing, yeah. but I've been doing the, I've been on a bus since 1981. Yeah. I started with a country artist in October of 81. And then that morphed into the headhunters by 1989, uh, ended up doing that. So I've been on a bus for ever and ever. And before that, before 81, yeah. I was riding around in a van or a cars or whatever it took to get to gigs, you know? Yeah. You're listening to Behind the Drive Shortcuts. My name is Douglas McLean. Our guest is Greg Martin from the Kentucky Headhunters who've been on the scene since 1985 or longer. Quite a story. Looks like run certain kinds of scales or anything like that. Or is there anything like that still in your tool chest or you just go from your own place now? Oh, I listen to music constantly. Yeah. And I do a radio show, and that's a part of a yeah. part of it, really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a part of it. But 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 I, I constantly listen to, you know, blue. I, the biggest thing I draw from. I grew up playing rock. You know, I was a huge Led Zeppelin fan. Right. Montrose, right. Johnny Winter, yeah. Cream, Jimi Hendrix. You know, yeah. you know most of people my age i'm i'm 68 yeah. that's what we grew up listening to and of course before that the beatles and the rolling stones and yeah. even herman's hermits loving spoonful sure but i hear lately uh i've been listening to a lot of buddy guy who i got a chance to jam with about three weeks ago yeah i was going to ask you about um, that that must Louisville. have that must have been a fun experience oh it was a thrill man yeah. thrill he's a he's an icon man <laughs> yeah. he's an icon uh I go. I listen to a lot of blues. I listen to a lot of BB King, right. Albert King, Freddie King, Otis Rush, right. uh, Buddy Guy, Johnny Winter, early Eric Clapton, Peter Green, right. uh, anything you know, John Mayall, um, and I listen to a lot of R and B. Uh, I love Reggie Young, who was a session player out of Nashville for years. Played on. Drift away, but Dobie Gray played on "Son of a Preacher Man." His his guitar playing was just immaculate. Yeah. Uh, you, man, those guys like that inspire me. Um, 
far as trying to copy those guys, nah. You just let that seep in, right? And it comes out your own own thing, you know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I play. I play every day a bit. And uh, I mean, there's a right now. There's a Telecaster sitting right here. Yeah. There it is. You know. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> like like uh, I'll play every day. I'll sit here and come up with a little chord progression. Right. You know, like when we were doing a, uh, oh, what song is it? Um. Uh, uh, Oh man, I'm sorry. That's I'm okay. not the best with titles. Yeah, that's okay. Um, <laughs> hang on. <laughs> we belong together. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Let's uh, see. Let me if I can remember where I'm. I had that little progression right, right. there that I've been working on an instrumental. And when we were working on. Uh, it sounds like sixths together, or I, something. What's it sound like? It sounds like sixths or something or se- uh, thirds or something like yeah, that. Yeah, a little yeah, run it's like double that. stops. Yeah. Know? Oh, yeah. Let's see. Oh, yeah, there it is. You know, the nice. guitar, you know, I, yeah. I had that, I had that, uh, I had a little progression down on a bridge. Yeah. And when we were working on that song, I brought that, I said, well, let's see if we can marry these two things together and it worked out, you right. know? Yeah. So every day, man, I'm down here just working on stuff, you know, yeah. um, and come up with little bits and pieces and sometimes I'll record them. Um, and I might hear, might be listening to something by, oh, you know, Reggie Young, you know, like uh, right. Drift Away. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, <laughs> you might learn something. I mean, not that I can really use that with the headhunters, but it's just right. good melodic training, so to speak. It's yeah. just stuff that just needs to be in your head because it can come out a different way. Yeah. And and you have some, do you have some solo albums as well? Do I understand that? Or, um, or I have just... done some projects. Okay. I have, I have done one little solo 45 for Sundays okay. a few years ago. There were instrumentals. One of them was a Groovy Grubworm and scratchy which were two songs from the 60s and um the uh, ceo of uh, sundays suggested i do those songs and i went to the studio and did did it you know and i i approached it like well what would john mayo how would his band take these songs and do them uh you know so i did that there's a little 45 of that it's it's under the greg mark group and you should be able to find it on ebay i i did a project called the mighty jeremiah's with jimmy hall singer for wet willie he also sings with jeff beck it's kind of a gospel blues type album and i did another project um with a group called rufus huff a few years ago but it yeah, I mean, I do, I do some solo things. It's yeah. fun. It's just fun stretching out stuff. Yeah. You know, the mothership is the headhunters. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but it's good to go out and stretch and do things that you normally that doesn't fit the headhunters. Yeah, um, I'm sure I'll do another solo instrumental thing sometime, and it'll be stuff that really wouldn't fit with our right. band. You know, uh, it's just for fun. Yeah. Now, that- I, way I look at these projects. Go ahead. No, no, sorry. <laughs> There's always a little lag with Zoom. Um, oh no, way I look at Don. Way, Don, way I look at way I look at these solo things is, man, you're leaving stuff behind. You know, there, there's there's going to come a day when we can't play, right. and these uh, albums, whether it's the Headhunters albums, Rufus Huff, 
the Monty Jeremiah's, Greg Martin group. You know, man, they're just, uh, they're like leaving letters behind and yes, little sweet. chapters of, of your life. Behind, you know, and, uh, I don't mean to sound morbid because yeah. I think we got a few more good years, but uh, someday, you know, the family, that stuff that, that they can listen to, the you know, it, sure. it's infinite, you know, yeah, it'll yeah. be around forever. Yeah. Well, I mean, look at the Rolling Stones. What are they close to 80? And they're all, they're heading out on another <laughs> yeah. big tour. They're just wild men yes i now, saw that today yeah i saw that today yeah mick looks great yeah i, I saw mick doing a promo i thought man he i guess if you looked at him close he may not but he's yeah man he's that's amazing yeah, yeah they're going back at it yeah well keith richards too he looks like he's getting younger again i don't know uh, he's really he just did a little solo gig for some <laughs> benefit. Now, do the the Kentucky Headhunters? Do you have a a very huge fan base? Is it is it similar to what like we're following the Allman Brothers around or like Grateful Dead or anything like that? Do you have that kind of uh, people who you know fans that they follow you from gig to gig kind of thing? Do you have that kind of a thing going on out there, or is it just uh, well, show to show? Uh, we do have a, you know, we have a, a real loyal fan base. Now, I don't know if it's anything like the, uh, Grateful Dead or the, uh, Almond Brothers, you know, that that's more of a, the jam band thing. Right. Um, but we do have a, a really loyal group of people and, uh, we've got this, we've got a few couples and friends that show up. They'll, you, we can expect to see them. You just never know where they might just show up. They yeah. may just fly in from yeah. somewhere. But, yeah. oh, but we've been so blessed that when the first album was released in 89, that we garnered a following. Right. And they have followed us through thick and thin, through the changes. We've had some lineup changes over the years. Yeah. You know? It's been pretty steady, this though. This band that we have now... What's that, uh, Don? Your uh, the band's is pretty steady though. You've had the same membership for quite a few years, haven't you? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This 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 lineup, Doug, yeah. Richard, Fred, myself. Yeah. This is the lineup that started the band right back in 1986. Right. This is the original lineup. Right. The original lineup really wasn't uh, with Ricky. Ricky came in and sang on a couple albums, but then Ricky, yeah, Doug, left. You know, they left. Yeah. Uh, in 92 but Doug came back and uh, we went through some other changes but oh no this lineup we've had for a long time it's a very steady lineup yeah uh, I like the four piece lineup yeah. it works real well um, we can add a keyboard player every now and then and it works but most generally the four piece feels right to me right that's got a big sound too I, I, I listened to a couple of live um things this morning you got a pretty big sound out there now do you guys you must be you've known each other for so long it, it it must be quite a feeling to be it must be like with your brothers or a family or something to get on stage with them oh absolutely yeah it must be absolutely <laughs> yeah. and sometimes you take that for granted yeah <laughs> not very often but yeah you know me, me and richard were talking yesterday you know we were talking about some business stuff and me and Richard and Fred have played together off and on since 1968. And if we weren't playing together, we were all still connected. Right. We were still connected. We were, it was fate, us all playing together, us three. 
And, you know, I had to veer off and do different things as they did as well. But it was just always understood. We'd always play together somehow. And, but we were (laughs) Richard talking yesterday about something about me and him and Fred. So yeah, we're the three musketeers, you know, (laughs) we, we've been through this, every lineup that we've been through with this band, we've stuck together. Right. And it's been, you know, it, it was, it's been scary a couple of times. We went, there was a time around 1995-96 that I didn't know if the band was going to survive, you know. Uh, we went through some heady times, to be honest with you, you know. Yeah. Uh, but my gosh, we we hung in there and we built it. It built our following. Um, I, I think it's, I think the band sounds better today live than it's ever sounded. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's, it's gratifying. Yeah, I mean, it's it's such an arduous life, uh, you know, as a performing artist. It, it must be grueling in a way for the tra- I mean, I've, you know, I'm a weekend warrior myself, and I, I'm older, too. You play too. music? Yeah, I've, I've played guitar, and all, I started off as a drummer and played guitar all my life, but uh, nowhere near the level that oh, you're okay. playing. But <laughs> certainly, I um, well. I try my best, but... Uh, yeah, I've, I've, we when COVID hit, my wife is a fiddle player, so you know we were booked all summer. Yeah. From and we lost everything, and uh, so uh, we just go out as a duo, oh. and uh, we just sort of after that, I just sort of said I hadn't picked up a guitar actually uh, for almost two years. I just I just sort of lost my enthusiasm for it. So. Uh, are you still playing? You be, I, are you playing again now? Or are you not? No, I have. I just started again. I I just heard this great album just recently, and uh, from a guy by the name of Greg Keeler. I yeah. don't know. He's a guitar player and a part of Blue Rodeo, who's up here, and uh, it knocked my socks off. I oh, thought. that's a good band. Yeah, yeah. We, we we played with the yeah good yeah. band. We played with those guys. Yeah, years ago. Years well, ago, we played with them at the. Uh, uh, the Lone Star in New York, and right. I love. They have an album called Casino. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's. I can't one think of what their, album they had. That's one of their famous earlier ones, but uh, yeah, they've been together thirty, oh, really good, thirty oh, yeah. some years or so. Anyway, I I just sort of lost my oh, like lost my enthusiasm for it. But I do these radio shows too, so that's kept me really busy. And then COVID, you know, I I was hosting a little ri- a live show up here and uh, in the radio station. And when COVID hit, you know, nobody could go in the station. So I didn't want to lose the momentum uh, for the acts. I had acts booked out for six months and I didn't want to lose the momentum. So I had to learn how to record all this stuff and do it all in in my little studio here and then uh, get it out into the world. And it's just taken me in a whole other direction. And it's been a real... Well, honor in a way because yeah. i've met some amazing people uh, like yourself for sure and yeah now you do uh, can we no, chat a little bit about can we chat a little bit about your radio uh, world because that's very interesting oh, absolutely how long have you done that for that's you've been at yeah. that for years right well i started the first my first dance with radio <laughs> I mean, I've, I've always been infatuated and love radio since I was a kid. I grew up on AM radio. Yeah, me too. Um, you know, around 64, 65. Well, I can go back to the 50s and remember being in my dad's Plymouth and, and my 
parents listening to uh, the country station in Louisville, which was WTMT. I, I have these memories of hearing Ray Price, right. Ernest Tubb, um, you know, all this great country music, which I, I do love traditional country music. And then uh, you fast forward to about 64, 65, living in Louisville, we had two great rock AM stations, WKLO and WAKY. And um, that whetted my appetite for, yeah. uh, you know, the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and the Spoonful, and Bob Dylan, all that, yeah. that, that onslaught of music, that great revolution. And then uh, there was a great soul station in Louisville as well, WLOU, that played the BB King, James Brown, Wilson Pickett. Well, actually, what's so funny, Don, is uh, our rock stations were really diverse that they would mix soul country and rock together yeah, yeah and i don't i don't know if it was just louisville or what man but uh we had a very diverse market you know and uh music was just thrown together but i there again i just grew up loving radio my grandparents lived downtown and i would take a city bus from the south end of louisville and go spend a weekend with them about three or four times a year yeah. and my trek would always be getting off at broadway and walking down fourth street to check out the guitars and the windows at the music stores <laughs> sure. going to the record stores yeah and debbie Kello had a showcase window yeah. uh on chestnut street and i would go watch the djs through the window yeah you know they're two turntables their cart machines and yeah. this great gates board you yeah, know and I, yeah, yeah. I just thought wow oh, what, how yeah. cool is yeah, that yeah so i loved it i just loved it yeah. and in the back of my mind i always i was always infatuated with radio because when we, when we moved to Metcalf county in 1966 uh we had local stations in glasgow and columbia kentucky but at night they would lower their power being AM stations, and at that point you'd you'd be pulling in stations out of Chicago, WLS, WCFL, yeah. WOWO out of Fort Wayne, WLAC out of Nashville. Right. You'd get, uh, you know, you'd you'd get all this onslaught of stations that you couldn't get during the day. It would be like an adventure at night, and the way Skip works, you know, AM, the way the AM waves bounce around. Every night would be different. You might yeah. pull in Mexico. <laughs> right. You might pull in Texas. Yeah. You, you know, it was just an adventure every night. Right. And um, so, and I used to listen to an underground show out of Chicago on Sunday nights called the Subterranean Circus. Ron Britton was the uh, host. And it was just an amazing show. You know, he'd be playing Cream, Arn Butterfly, Frank Zappa. Michael Bloomfield, the Paul Butterfield blues band, Led right. Zeppelin. Yeah. And, you know, that just, that was planting a seed. All all these things I'm talking about, planting a seed for radio. Mm -hmm. uh, 1986, I had a chance to start a little show at WLOC in Mumfordville, Kentucky. And it was called Blue Monday. I did it, hey. did it for just about six. Yeah, yeah Blue Monday. And the, I have a show called Blue Monday. Blue I have a show called Blue Monday now yeah. up here. That's the oh, name. Do you have one now? Okay, that was my <laughs> first. That was my first radio dance. Yeah, it mine only lasted six months. Oh, uh, and and the headhunters were also doing a live radio show at the same station. Oh, right. About yeah. 
twice a month called yeah. the Chitlin Show. Yeah, yeah, we're playing live over the air. You're right. Oh, and yeah. uh, so that was my first. But when the when the we signed a recording contract in '89, you know, man, the album took off fast. So right. I had to quit doing the radio show. Uh, the Headhunters had to quit doing the Chitlin Show, and you know, we we're on the road. Right. So my radio career. <laughs> <laughs> the start of my radio career got put on hold but uh, in 1997 i had a offer to do a southern rock show at a station in campbellsville kentucky wvlc and i talked to the uh, owner and uh suggested that we do a blues show make it more of a roots blues show we could encompass southern rock we could encompass soul music blues yeah. rockabilly everything that yeah. just had deep roots and the lowdown hoedown was born in november of 1997 at wlc uh, i did it two and a half years there uh originally i had an engineer that would help me do the technical stuff all i had to do was talk right the show yeah. together and talk yeah. yeah he left he decided to leave in april of uh 2000 so I, I just gave my notice and um, took a break from it. And then and, um, a few months later, uh, WDNS uh, had hired a friend of mine, Brian Locke, to be program director. And he offered me to bring the, the lowdown hoedown there. So in November of 2001, I took the lowdown hoedown to WDNS in Bowling Green and uh, been there over 20 years now oh. so the show i've been i've been doing radio about 22 and a half years yeah. and uh it's just something i really enjoy uh, i did my show last night um i got in you know I, I my son goes with me every week uh you yeah. he'll, he'll, he's uh he's autistic yeah. but he's highly functioning and autistic and he loves he's like me he loves he, it's so funny because he loves radio too yeah and, and he has certain shows he listens to every week. There's about six different specialty shows he listens to. But he'll go with me every Monday night and hang out. Uh, we'll, we'll usually leave Glasgow at 5 o'clock. The show's on at from 7 to 10 Central Time uh, down there. And then we'll hang out for about an hour afterwards and we'll come home. Wow, that's <laughs> great. Yeah, that's great. It's just a joy, man. Yeah. And it's, uh, it, streams, it streams online. Right. Uh, people can hear it all over the world wdnsfm.com or d93rocks.com okay we'll make and, sure uh, we get people listening to you yeah man yeah. it's just it's a blast uh, you know uh it's a blues show but we take i take liberties with the genres like right. last night i played a lot of lightning hopkins and right a lot of yeah it, it just it just goes everywhere uh yeah. next week i'm gonna do a tribute to uh barry bailey the guitarist for ARS Atlanta Rhythm Section, he right. just passed away, right. yeah. and uh, we'll, we'll start off with some blues. Then we'll veer off over into to some of the music he played on. But uh, man, I love radio. It's, it's just another facet of what I do. It's a it goes hand in hand. Yeah. It's like furthering my musical education, right? Because uh, so. man, I'm learning about new things all the time from right. doing the show. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it's such a joy too. I mean, I've I've been doing the radio station up here for about ten years too, and uh, my show is called Blue Monday. It's on Monday nights as well, and it started off right. as blue right. blues, but I've kind of morphed it into more. Uh, I play stuff from everywhere now. I I just because I'm so well, sure. 
I'm so stunned by the uh, the creativity in the in the songwriting world. I mean, there's so much beautiful oh, yeah. stuff coming out. Uh, it's just amazing. But, you know, every once in a while I'll go back and really dig into some of the great blues players. One thing I noticed that uh, I saw uh, on the uh, promo that John sent me was that you had the opportunity to interview or you met Johnny Winter on your show or something like that. I think I read that right. Is that? Uh, did, I've, had a lot of, I've had a lot of guests on the show. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I interviewed Johnny Winter about three times. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, Johnny... Uh, when I was talking to him, you know, he, uh, his health wasn't really yeah, good, you yeah, know, and, yeah. uh, he wasn't, I love Johnny Winter. He was a great, nice man, yeah. just a nice fellow. But by the time I got to know him a little bit, he, his, uh, health it, it had dissipated a bit, yeah. you know? And, uh, but yeah, I've, I've, had, I've, I've had him on my show twice yeah. and I interviewed him on, for another, uh, program on WDNS, uh, another time yes but yeah i had johnny winter on the show i've had uh oh gosh delaney bramlett right bonnie bramlett oh uh, wow oh gosh dion yeah oh uh steve cropper right oh ronnie gosh. montrose was oh. one of my early guests yeah. i've had a lot of different people oh, you're lucky lucky to met there again them. it's just like further my education is yeah. what it does basically you know yeah. The only reason I brought Johnny Winter up, you know, other than was the fact that I noticed in his later, the later part of his life, he seemed so generous with his, even though he was, you could tell he wasn't feeling very well. He was so generous with his fans and with his time, you know, it just, it really struck me as something magical about Oh, that. he was great. And such a gracious man. Well, all men, the oh. men of music are gracious anyway. <laughs> the men and women of music are pretty gracious anyway. My name is Douglas McLean. We were speaking with Greg Martin from the Kentucky Headhunters. Hope you enjoyed his conversation. He's a wonderful man. I really enjoyed meeting him. This is Behind the Drive Shortcuts. <laughs> <laughs>